everybody. Welcome to Too Busy to Flush. I'm JR. And I'm Molly. And we are a usually happily married couple with four rambunctious children, one boy, three girls, ages 10 through 3. And if this is your first time joining us, welcome. Our podcast usually consists of Molly and I riffing on stuff we haven't normally uh, talked about. And today's probably going to be no exception because I feel like, babe, after we got back from that two-week trip, it's just been non-stop go. Yep. I actually passed through my mind the other day that I was like, I should go on a date with Molly. And I'm just like looking at the schedule going, when is that going to happen? Well, we're going on a date with our friends from Tulsa on Friday. And my parents, that's not really a date. Yeah. Well, we're going but to But it's adult a... time where we're we'll Oh, that's right. We're going to talk, to... aren't we? On Friday night. Oh, that'll be super fun. I'm looking forward to that now. Now that you know that we're doing it. Now that I know that I'm doing it. I like it. And that, that happens a lot, you guys. Molly will schedule us, and I will have no idea until like the day of. <clears throat> but yeah, things are just go, go, go. Like, I feel like. It's a really July's, relaxing summer. Ju- no. <laughs> July is coming up quick. And so you guys know what our plans are. Um, at the end of July, we're going on a week-long camping trip with family to the Oregon coast. So that's going to be super fun. And then we get back from that, and we don't do much of... Uh, we don't do any travel until August, but now we're talking about maybe taking a fall trip to Michigan. So um, to just visit a friend, long time, actually long time now, family friend of ours who just got a girlfriend. Ooh, uh-huh. we get to meet her this weekend. Um, visit he and his parents in Michigan. In northern Michigan in the fall. In the fall. So I've I'll, been in northern Michigan in the fall, and yes. it's gorgeous. And it's not going to be so late that we can't go and We could stop. I was dunes. thinking, too, we could stop through Chicago and see your brother. We can. Yep, that had occurred to me also. Yep, so that's kind of cool. Um, other than that, like, I'm working on, I'm spending my days right now working with your dad, Molly's dad, we've got a lot of spraying to do. We leased some property up at the cabin, and it's like 800 acres of spraying for larkspur. And what happens is the larkspur kills the cattle. And the rancher releasing it from has lost 40 cattle last year. Wow. 40 head last year due to larkspur. So in trade for some uh, hunting access, we're doing a lot of spraying. So we're spending our time doing that. And I'm working on um, both the Spartan and the pop-up trailer. And now the Sprinter van, kind of simultaneously. <laughs> he just got a giggly look on his face. He drove to Helena, Montana yesterday to buy a Sprinter van that came up on a really good deal. On, like, Sunday. I was the first one in line. Five hours after it was posted, I was kind of floored. So, we are we are... On our way to becoming adventure van people, and I'm and starting a, a van company. No. Done nothing. <laughs> I literally, you guys, nothing but think and research van things. I'm doing my Bible reading this morning. He's like, "So, what do you think about this?" And I was like, "I need to finish my Bible reading because yeah. I'm behind on it." There's just we're gonna go. I think I'm gonna just kind of focus on some known exterior things that we want to do like roof rack ladder you know probably some sort of animal killing bumper so we can stay on the road if we hit something things like that and then seats we're adding seats to the middle but because it's a cargo van right actually we don't know seats so i gotta drop fuel tanks and a few other things to install the seats but we don't know what kind of layout we want and necessarily how we're gonna use it so i think we're just gonna go with an empty van and camp chairs for a while <laughs> <laughs> something like that something like that um anyway yeah other than that uh i did now i feel kind of guilty because i've been i've been researching van stuff and haven't been reading my bible but i told molly this morning that i fell off the wagon um on your bible reading plan on my bible reading plan and i just it felt so daunting. I absolutely hate, and you guys have heard us discuss this before, but I hate being behind. And I, I don't like kicking off on the date where I'm supposed to be, because then I see all those check marks that are not ticked off behind me, and I feel like I just have to catch up. But it's so much now 
that uh, actually, oh, oh, this will be perfect. So you guys, uh, one of the things I'm trying to do is find three sprinter vans that the three there's a second row in there with three a bench seats. That seats three. Bench seats is seats three. I found one in Ammon, Idaho, on Facebook. So I'm planning to drive to Idaho on Thursday to get this. That's a 14 hour drive round trip. Guess what? You could do. A lot I of could Bible catch up listening. on all my Bible reading via audio. So on my Bible reading plan, in order to avoid that, all the check marks, because I do mine digitally and I check it off digitally. If I am more than like three days behind, the thing about the Bible reading plan that I do, which is the Bible reading challenge with <coughs> Christ Kirk out of Moscow, Idaho, they say, if you're reading the Bible today, you're not behind. And That's awesome. So, yep. So just like if you skip... I know I've said this dozens of times probably already on here. If you're reading the Bible today, you're not behind. If you skipped lunch yesterday, you don't wait to eat lunch today until you've eaten yesterday's lunch and today's lunch. You just eat today's lunch and be grateful for the provision that God is giving you for lunch today. You don't catch up on yesterday's lunch. You just eat what's, what's before you on any given day. And so I... I'm doing the New Testament right now. We did the Bible reading plan that I do. It's just the New Testament in the summer and then the whole Bible in the school year. And I have tried to get caught up on it, the bit, the Gospels because if I miss a couple days and I start on like Mark 13, I feel like I'm missing a bunch of the story because the Gospels are, you just need the beginning in order to, to really key in on key phrases and stuff that the people are the writers are using but like yesterday i was supposed to read all of colossians and i just did colossians one and two as i was falling asleep and i just checked it all off i don't need that like hanging over my head so i checked it all off and then it's not but it's not an unfinished thing so i started mark today and if I miss a day or two, I will try really hard to get caught up with Mark. And I've been doing the machine reading plan via ESV.org, which has been really convenient. Um, if we do mention things in the show, I'll try to include links in the Okay, speaking uh, of links, notes. I'm trying a new dessert for our summer kids Bible study. Cool. That we're doing. Our family worship night. I noticed uh-huh. you changed the name last week. Yeah, because it's, yeah, it's more than just for kids. It's for families, right? Yeah, we did toss out... We'd, so if you guys aren't aware, uh, we decided to kick off on Tuesday nights. Um, what started out as it's kind of just a, a more children's oriented liturgy, uh, not full service, but you know, singing, praying, a lot more liturgical than like a small like a group gathering, church. yeah, but more accessible than church service, I guess. So we've been and inviting. The- Teaching is geared almost yeah. exclusively to the kids. So we've been trying to invite lots of uh, non-believers with kids and just kind of whomever wants to come over and have dinner um, and do this with us. And the first night we 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 did it, it went really well. And then, but then we decided we threw out one element and brought in an adult orient. Brought in we threw out the Jesus Storybook Bible section and brought in the uh, Westminster Shorter Catechism. So we're kind of we're studying the Lord's Prayer all summer and we started we're kicking off with the book what every child should know about prayer which is fantastic you guys if you have little kids it is such a good book and not just for the little kids there are sections in there like praying sections of the psalms that are fantastic and then just putting into very simple language questions that even niggle in my mind all the time like we have a friend who's well, multiple friends whose mom is hospitalized with COVID right now. And I always struggle, you know, what do we pray for her? We pray healing, we pray God's will, we pray for both, right? But it's hard to explain to kids that, that God is still loving and good if they heal a grandma or if they don't, or if God heals grandma and doesn't. And I feel like this book puts into accessible language for every age struggles that we have with prayer with things like that so anyway what every child should know about prayer is a fantastic resource so we're doing a couple pages from that and having kids who are sitting in around our living room i always envisioned us sitting on the little hill by our fire pit in our yard and it's been in the high 90s every night we've had so this. we're not at, we're not going so we're all crammed into our living room which is fine 
and then the Westminster Shorter Catechism on prayer and the Lord's Prayer, we're using the book Training Hearts, Teaching Minds. Yes. Teaching Minds, Training also, Hearts. Training My Hearts, also Teaching Minds. Also an excellent book. It is. It's by Star I need Star to put both Mead. of these books in our swag, in the links should, in our swag shop. Um, it's by Star Mead, and it works through in family, daily devotion style, the shorter Westminster Shorter Catechism. And so every day it's got... Uh, each each week is a question and answer, and then every day has a little, very short, one to two paragraph devotional thought related to that, and some support scripture. And so we are just discussing the support scriptures listed by Star Mead in this book, which are not quite the same ones that the Westminster Divines put in... The shorter catechism when they were creating it because if you actually look up a shorter catechism it has support scriptures listed under mm-hmm. all of it but i have heard people say that they are guilty of proof texting and taking things out of context <laughs> in some instances or at least the way that they uh, that they that's the way i feel about the presbyterian the pca's book of church orders well the the hermeneutic has shift has evolved in a good way i think since <clears throat> since the catechism was put together and so it um anyway we're not using those support texts we're using the ones that star mead has which then we just read the text aloud. there's only like two or three per well there's one for every day of the week yeah but, but, then, I, but then for support verses sometimes there's like two or three at most per day yeah yeah per day. and we're, so it's cool. we're we're honing it down to like four verses for the whole question yeah and we'll have adults read some of those verses in that section um, and what's great is I feel a lot of freedom to invite random people I meet and talk to around wherever. And some people are, most people are really receptive. Um, a lot of people can't make it, but it's kind of fun to have something that you have going on that's intentional, uh, an intentional Christian effort um, that you can invite people to. Which- and it's, it seems... I wouldn't necessarily invite them to church because church is so. Um, I, I don't know. That sounds really kind of crass to say. No, like for the a second, ga- like the it's... gal that you met at the bar. Yeah. Who said, "Oh yeah, I grew up in church. I've been kind of wanting to get back to it." Walking to a church just cold would probably be really daunting. Yeah, it's to her. not. And it's but not. But she has positive feelings right. toward Christian things and has a child now that she wants to introduce to them, and so the family environment gives her. An entree into wanting to go back to church without the weirdness of walking alone into it. It doesn't seem very personal. It feels like there's a big kind of gap to reach to to for relationship stuff with church, and, and maybe that's just my church. I don't know, but um, it's just kind of thing like it's just been kind of fun to have like something going on. Here. I've been thinking about that in the context of how some churches have an ongoing Christianity Explored or Alpha program going. Mm-hmm. And it's just, in fact, I went to a lunch that was mostly pastors last Thursday, and one of the guys said that he is in charge of Alpha at his church. So they just, every year, run Alpha, which is an outreach-based Bible study, and Christianity Explored is kind of the Reformed I think if you that. can do it, I think there's something, and you've heard, if you guys have listened to this show for any length of time, probably, you know Molly and I have a very high view of having a meal together, sharing a meal with somebody, and and bringing them, you know, bringing them around the table and, and what that reflects in terms of the body of Christ, and not in a uh, in a um, sacrament way, but in a uh, in an in a very human yes way. And um, being able, so being able to do something like that, like an Alpha program or Christianity Explored, or even what we're doing on Tuesday nights, to have that around a meal, um, I think is just so incredibly important. It breaks down barriers. It, yeah, you know, I just thought of somebody else that I should invite to this. Do it. I haven't. No, I haven't. Let me tell you this story. So last Wednesday, Wednesday, you were up at the cabin with my dad, or was it Friday? No, it was Wednesday. I had told the kids I would take them to the swim park that we have a membership at. And 
then it was going to be a high of 79. And I was like, guys, it's not really warm enough to drive all the way up there. We're going to get there and you're going to be like, I'm cold. I don't want to swim. And then we were working in the yard all morning and they were spraying each other with the hose and they were so hot. They were like, can we please go swim? And so I was like, all right, we'll, we'll eat lunch. We'll throw our stuff together. We'll go out there for a couple hours. And as I'm bustling around then trying to find swimming suits and put together snacks and stuff, I hear Maui, our lab mutt mix, barking up a storm outside. And I thought I'd heard the UPS truck go by. And even though he's not a dangerous dog, you just never know how the UPS guy is going to feel about mm. a barking dog. And so, because we've had issues in the past, and so I kind of ran out there, and the UPS guy is in the neighbors across the street's driveway. But there's an old man pushing a walker in the street, and he's going, go home! Go home! And Maui, we have, you guys, we have an electric fence. Um, and is it on again? Because I noticed last night it, it cut out. Oh, again. I don't know. As oh, far as, well, it was, it was on then. Anyway, you oh. don't have to complain about that right now. Right. Um, so, you know, it beeps when he's five feet from the line, and then if he crosses the line, he gets a shock. So he's a good five feet back, and he's just barking, and this guy's like, go home, go home. And so I go out there, and I'm like, I'm sorry that he's barking. The kids are actually chasing Maui, trying to catch him, and a, f- a six- and eight-year-old chasing a dog are never going to actually catch him. So he would, like, dart out of their way and then go back to the fence line and bark at this guy who's moving very slowly. So I go out and I say, I'm the mom, I, my name's Molly, I live I live here, and he, I can't remember what he said his name is, but he is our neighbors with the Drive Like Your Kids Live Here sign. Yeah. He's her, her dad, and he launches into the conversation with me by saying, I'm, I'm Rhonda's dad, I'm 90 years old, and I'm living with her because my wife kicked me out and is divorcing me. And I was like... Wow. At 90? Yeah, and he's like, never Why bother at that age. Well, he's like, he's like, <laughs> I, I never thought I'd be at this stage, you know, doing this at this stage of my life. But it's his second wife, and I don't know mm. how long he's been married to her. But he Maybe said, she's like 22. he talked on and on and on and on. I mean, like, all the kids are like, are we leaving? And I'm like, finally, I was like, I'm sorry. My, I told my kids I would take them to the pool. It was nice talking to you. I'm sure I'll see you around. I, you know, they're all antsy and like the clock was ticking in the window between we go to the pool and we come home and have Faith take a nap after we've gotten to swim for a few hours. So anyway, it's his second wife. His first wife must have died of a disease or something because he's, Mm. she said, if you find somebody that you want to remarry, you should get remarried. And he said, I wish she'd never said that to me. Because if she hadn't encouraged me to remarry, I never would have married this lady. And I think she just wanted me for my money. And he lived down in Cody. Um, actually, I think he said he he lived in Powell for a while. I was like, oh, my grandpa lived in Deaver. And oh, what's his name? <laughs> and he didn't recognize his name. But he's like, I'm so old. I've forgotten a lot now. <laughs> okay. That's fair. But anyway, I... He was like, my next, the, the, I went before the judge, and the judge was like, you should go home and see if you can try to get along with your wife and live with her. Otherwise, you have to pay her $25,000 to find a place to live in town. And he's like, I don't have that kind of money, but, you know, I'm not the one kicking me out and trying to divorce me. I, you know, I've been trying to get along with her for years now. So, anyway, I I came away from the conversation. I had seen a video of some little girl who had been granting people in nursing homes wishes the same day that I watched this. It was just this, like, it was a news story featuring this girl whose mom is a nurse who served several nursing homes, and her mom would, like, pick her up from school and then go hit up another nursing home to take vital signs or whatever and deliver medications or whatever. And this little girl would just sit next to, you know, in the nursing home. There's two beds with a curtain in between, and she'd go talk to the person on the other side and started asking them, if you had three wishes, what would you wish for? And these people talking to this little girl didn't say, like, world peace or better health or anything like that. They say things like, I just love some watermelon. I just love a new pair of socks. (laughs) I just love, like, this particular kind of cookie. And so this little girl, I mean, and this was almost to a person. They weren't saying, I wish my family would visit me more. 
they were things that she could go to a grocery store or to Target and spend $50 and make people like literally like the newscaster followed her around while she was bringing people their wishes the next time her mom was there and they were just crying at not just at getting the watermelon or the oreos but the thoughtfulness of somebody who actually cared about them and you know this forgotten demographic especially in covid i think most nursing homes are still pretty locked down and very careful of the vulnerable population, but anyway. So you, this so the, is the guy you want to invite? Well, I don't. I mean, it just occurred to me. It, like, there's really no. I, mean, I could walk. I could go across the street and be like, "Hey, you know, we do this thing on Tuesday nights, and it's geared towards kids. But hey, kids are great. Do you want to come eat some dinner and watch? You know, be around little kids singing hymns and families singing hymns. I don't know. Go for it. I don't know. I don't know. It just occurred to me that that might fill a place in. He's his the he's the soul. chap. Remember that photo I took of the two old men in, sit, parked in the street. Um, he was on. He was sitting on his walker talking to Red. Oh other, yeah, yeah. Other that would retired be neighbor. Yeah. Crack me up. Only two old, he's two old men parked in the street. Only Red just is probably what in his seventies. Yeah. And this guy is ninety. He said. So there's a big that. That, to say old men, that's a big difference in old man. Like, this guy can't walk without his walker. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so he's like, yeah, as soon as I get this divorce settled, I'm moving up to Billings. I'm done with that part of my life. <laughs> okay. Okay. I just, I mean, it was like, kind of cracked me up because he just, like, like an old person, had lost his filter and, you know, meets somebody and just verbally vomits on me and just or like me needs kindness and relationship and um anyway that was it was a funny funny and sad <clears throat> encounter all at once that is pretty funny uh anyway all this circles back i have a recipe i'm trying tonight it's from mel's kitchen cafe and it's very similar to my lemon angel pie, which you can also link. It's She calls it berries on a cloud, and it's a meringue crust. So you, it, it's almost like a, a, what's it called? Pavlova, the, the dessert where you make like a big pile of meringue, and then you put whipped cream and then berries on top of it. So this is a meringue crust in an 11 by 13 pan. And then... On top of it is a cream cheese whipped cream mixture, and then we'll cut it into squares and then put like a blueberry syrup, blueberries on top of it. She says it's one of her favorite desserts of summer, and it's an easy make-ahead dessert. Like you What's can it make called? it berries on a cloud. Okay, I'll link it in this show, but we can't endorse it yet because we haven't tried it. Right, I'm very hopeful the about show it though be because out it's so similar to my lemon angel pie. Which I berries on a cloud, yeah, and it's great too because it has like my lemon angel pie, which is kind of like a lemon meringue pie, Uh but the meringue is the crust, so it's naturally gluten free. So rather than going to all sorts of extra effort and money to have a gluten free pie, the lemon angel one anyway is just naturally gluten free, and I think it's less fussy than a lemon meringue pie, and I actually like crispy meringue like a pavlova better Mm -hmm. than chewy meringue like a lemon ring pie in my opinion <laughs> I like them both but anyway berries on a cloud and our other big dinner item tonight is Kahlua pork in the crock pot which so good. I assume almost everybody knows the crock pot Kahlua pork recipe because it's just so stinking easy and ubiquitous but it's pulled pork where you just get a pork butt trim the fat off if you want or drain it off after you've cooked it. And then you just drizzle like a, teas- a teaspoon to a tablespoon of liquid smoke and salt. Like coarse sea salt, Hawaiian salt, whatever. Himalayan salt over the top of it. And then you just cook it for like 10 hours in the crock pot. And it's got amazing flavor for how incredibly little work you put into it. So that's our dinner tonight. Pulled pork. And I'm so excited. I, I'll try to find I don't actually follow a recipe for it anymore because I just throw the three ingredients in the crock pot. 
in most recipes you find on Pinterest these days for it, people are trying to make it fancier by adding like bacon to it, which I think is a waste of bacon because you don't need it, or bay leaves to whatever. It's just not it's not necessary. So keep it simple, guys. Yeah. It's the liquid, kiss principle. Liquid smoke and salt. And kind of more salt than you would think you need, but that's all the flavoring that's going into it. So it cooks off into a really salty brine at the bottom of it, and then you add the liquid back in to taste. <clears throat> I've so been anyway. I've been over it. The in-laws working with Jim doing some uh, side-by-side repairs, and every time I come into the house, I'm like, oh, oh it smells so good. Titus, so Titus was up in his room, oh, everything. and he's like, what smells? Like 9.30 this morning. What smells so good, Mom? <laughs> That's dinner, buddy. Hang dinner. tight. That's dinner. Nine hours from now. Great. So, the big thing that I've been thinking about this week, I jotted this down on my mm-hmm. on my notebook during church, is in my Bible reading with the um, the summer, but I feel like I've noticed this as a theme multiple times throughout this last year. I can't remember if it was... First Thessalonians, Second Thessalonians, Titus. I didn't write this down very clearly. Um, but there's probably all of these mention people in the last days being deceived multiple times. And I feel like that's such a relevant topic for, I mean, I've, I'll be honest, I follow a lot of conspiracy theory type people on Instagram, especially. And Molly once said she has her aluminum foil hat pretty tight. Yeah. Actually, I mean, I don't compare to a lot of people that I've started following. But at the same time, the people who were like, don't wear masks, don't, you know, don't shut things down. Pretty soon this is going to evolve into forced vaccinations and permanent mask wearing and permanent lockdowns. And here you like this is, you know, a year ago. And I was like, I mean, that seems a little extreme. And now it's like you can't go to college you can't go you can't play in the nfl like there are threats of all these things if you don't get vaccinated with an experimental non-approved vaccination which isn't actually a vaccine it's by definition it's not a vaccine but i don't need to get into that <coughs> the definition of a vaccine is that it has live or dead virus in and it. so she goes into it anyway yeah. that's well i felt like i needed to explain myself this is genetic manipulation well it is actually it's gene therapy but um You know, I mean, the state of Oregon is talking about making masks in public places permanent, like a permanent mask mandate. The countries across the world and counties and states are going back into lockdown. And, you know, pastors are being arrested in Canada for holding church services, even like smaller locations that aren't their worship services. And then they send in SWAT teams and arrest pastors on their knees in the middle of highways for holding worship services anyway all of these things that seemed like totally inconceivable canada's crazy right well yeah it is i have a college friend who lives in canada and she's she would disagree with me on pretty much every political point well i'll just say it that way she was i went to hillsdale college you guys and she was one of like three members of the college democrat club at hillsdale <laughs> but she um she she's a true democrat she just posted on her facebook that she just went into her she's a professor into her office for the first time in over a year she's okay with that uh she it, it weirded her out it also weirded her out to wear real clothes and shoes, which cracks me up. <clears throat> but um, Those yoga pants and barefoot are I, awesome. I feel that. Yeah. Speaking of being barefoot, <clears throat> I pants. saw a great... No, barefoot specifically. I saw something that there are particular nerves in your feet that communicate with your brain that only stimulate particular parts of your brain by walking barefoot outside. All the nerves in your foot communicate with your brain. Right. But there are parts of your brain that only get woken up, so to speak, by being barefoot outside and having not and having like 
uh, not just solid flat surfaces, but like uneven surfaces. So walking on rocks or walking on grass or walking on dirt that um, stimulates certain parts of your brain in a good way that only get stimulated by walking barefoot. On. Where do you find this stuff? Oh, it's 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 so. Does it just pop up in a feed, or are you like researching walking barefoot nerves um, stimulate I, brain stimulation? I'm following people who are all about holistic health, so keeping your whole body healthy. For the record, guys, almost all she does is like read stuff on the internet. I feel like that was a bit of a slam. No, but it's a lot. Like I don't pay attention. I barely know what's going on in the news because I'm not on the internet. So at least one of us has a clue what's going on. That's all I'm trying yeah, to say. Yeah, I do have to keep JR abreast. You spend abreast a ton of time like, on those things. And now, we did have a listener tell us this last week that they get really annoyed with me because I'm always interrupting Molly, so they want to punch me. So now every time I open Taser my mouth... Taser you. Taser me. <laughs> so now every time I open my mouth to say anything, I'm just You're imagining really him. self-conscious? No, I'm just imagining this person going, ah! So part of me wants to just... Keep interrupting? Keep interrupting. Because <laughs> that's to be, what you do. I'll try to be polite. Uh, I'll just get off I the show. And you can saying. just run the show by yourself. Right. No. So anyway, <laughs> go outside barefoot. Here's another one. Your, your circadian rhythm is actually designed to follow the sun. And so you should be awake when the sun is up and asleep when the sun is down, which I transgress terribly. It's not just the blue light of being on my phone until 11 o'clock at night, but it's that I should be going to bed about the same time that the kids go to bed, which is usually around when the sun Boy, goes I'd down. Boy, I'd like to. I just feel like I have to catch up on stuff and just keep doing, 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 And doing, keep doing. researching Mercedes-Benz oh seats and whatnot. You guys. There's a lot of options. Uh, so anyway... One of the things that I have been trying to do since I read this is to go outside in the morning and get morning sun directly into my brain and my eyes. Because even if you get sunshine in through your windows, certain elements of the sun's light are filtered out by a window and don't wake up your brain and set your circadian rhythm appropriately in motion to be awake when the sun is coming up and to be going to sleep so it's supposed to i like with... to drink my coffee on the on the patio in the morning well yeah so being outside in the sun's morning light is actually really good for helping your brain regulate when it should be awake and when it should be asleep we modern westerners are terrible at living in ways close to the earth that are actually and see this is where some of the people that i follow are a little bit woo woo like, I'm gonna get up there's every a morning. Thing, there's a thing. There's a thing. Lay myself out and hug the grass every day. I'm gonna hug the earth. Well, that's not. It's not getting your feet nerve endings. But so there's another <laughs> thing that people do. There's another thing that people do, and I don't know how I feel about this. Honestly, it's called grounding. And there are, you know, everything in the world, literally. This is not. This is not the woo woo part of it. But everything has energy because. It's got energy stored in it through this, you know, the sun. Like, even a rock has energy stored in it. Because Especially when you throw it. No, no, no. The molecules, the molecules <laughs> no, in the rock are constantly was, moving. Right. I was joking. Yes. Um, and so, um, you know, water has, you know, anything that is matter, the molecules, the atoms in it mm-hmm. have energy. And th- so there's this, there's this practice that people do called grounding which says that your body's energy is regulated by walking barefoot on natural surfaces because the energy of the earth transfers into your body somehow and helps ground literally ground um I feel the like there's, energy. there's a there's a line. I told like, you this. I know, it's a I know, little know, bit woo woo, but there are people like God. Who... God designed us and created us to inhabit and live on the earth. Mm-hmm. We're earthly beings, but at the same time, there's that line that's like we are grounded. But like the first thing that went through my head is like, well, I am grounded. I've been. I'm actually made. God made us from dust, dust of the earth. Right, but but there's a lot. Of physical benefit to, like I said already, like walking barefoot on the ground, 
uh, stimulates various parts. Part of it is just like like acupressure. Um, you know, you're if you have a headache, you can push on a certain part of your hand, yeah. and it helps relieve the headache. Your foot and your hand supposedly map to almost every part of your body. And, you know, if you have a stomach ache, you can massage a certain part of your foot, and it's supposed to help release bile when you were built up in it. pregnant, you kept wanting me to massage your feet. Yeah, well, that's that's to... Supposedly, it stimulates labor. Supposedly. Right. Everything in your foot's mapped to a part of your body. Right. Um, oh, I was going to say... Oh, but also, dirt has a lot of probiotic qualities in it. I'm going to eat dirt. No, no, no. That's why kids are so healthy. Kids, like toddlers are healthy because they're always shoving their not, mouths full of It's dirt. not just the eating dirt, though, because your skin is one of your largest organs for taking things into your body, mm-hmm. which is why yep. I've become increasingly careful about what kinds of lotions and things we use, because whatever's in the lotion goes straight into your body. That's why we should be wearing full body suits when we're in public. No, that's why we do we do everything we can to create a healthy microbiome in our body so when we're exposed to things our body can deal with it appropriately but kids who play in dirt have healthier guts than kids who don't play in dirt my kids are the healthiest kids on the planet there's a lot of really healthy kids in our world because they play in dirt and the probiotic things the microbiotic thing organisms that live in dirt are actually absorbed into their hands and their feet well, that while they're playing kind of makes sense because dirt is essentially just the decomposed waste of every living thing and you know how it decomposes microorganisms right now this is an interesting theological it. thought so if that is what if dirt is the result of decomposition god created us from dessert from you know god created us from the dust of the earth right so he created he created something life from something totally decomposed and dead well i mean sort of you know what they historically say at funerals right from dust you came Mm -hmm. and to dust you will return Mm -hmm. they realize that we go back to dust but but yes i mean that god created life breathed life into something something that was lifeless (sighs) and dead yeah Anyway, really, really long rabbit trail to get back to on all sorts of things. Conspiracy theories, all sorts of things. (laughs) Oh, that was a long rabbit trail. Right? No, I've noticed this theme in my Bible reading a lot in the last year, and I haven't dug into it totally. But there's warnings to people about being deceived. And in the book of Daniel multiple times in all the crazy of Daniel, every now and then he'll throw in this, and even believers will be deceived, and even some of the wise will be led astray. And this exhortation to stay solid, to not be deceived, and to not be led astray. And I feel like in our world these days, like I read a tweet from Benjamin Watson the other day, He's a football player. He and his wife have kind of stuck their flag in the ground as pro-lifers. They're very outspoken pro-life. They have like six kids and they openly and deliberately celebrate all of their kids. There's a great there's a couple of great like live action videos or some something featuring his wife. I think her name is Kirsten. I don't think it's Kristen. Anyway, Mrs. Watson, they're both just very outspoken pro-lifers, and but he's he's also a like he he did this tweet. He he's featured. I'll just put he he had this tweet that was like if Christians actually were doing what they were supposed to about racial inequality, we wouldn't need CRT. And I was like, oh. we, 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 don't, we don't need CRT. We need to exhort Christians to pursue justice and to love mercy and to honor the image of God in every person, regardless of skin color. Mm-hmm. CRT actually does none of that. Yep. And we don't need, maybe there would be a, maybe a better way to phrase this would be there wouldn't be a perceived need for CRT. Fair. But he was, I think, actually defending 
promoters of CRT in this tweet and throwing shade at oh. believers like Vody Bakum and Virgil Harris Harrison the just thinking guys anyway you know these black people who are saying CRT is doing the opposite of accomplishing racial reconciliation and equality yeah. uh, so anyway so I look at things like that and that's that's one drop in the ocean of Christians in America who, I will say, I'm sure love the Lord, love his gospel pastors who are still preaching the gospel faithfully on Sunday mornings, and who are deceived, I believe, on an important topic. <clears throat> and, I mean, there's so much, you know, you go to probably an average evangelical church on a Sunday morning, and it wouldn't be surprising to have some sort of niggling on sexuality issues um, rather than feeling like the most loving and God-honoring thing to do, loving to other people and honoring to God, is to faithfully uphold God's standard for sexuality, man-woman marriage, one man, one woman, <laughs> now that has to be said, people, <laughs> human beings. <laughs> You know, you can marry the tree, sex. the you, ocean. Who married the ocean? No, somebody married the yeah, ocean. Yeah, in Japan, you can actually marry sex, like blow sex up dolls, dolls and sex yeah. robots and stuff. So, um, the so anyway, all that to say, what else? Just the um, how easy the Bible understands it is to be deceived, even if you are a solid believer and then all of a sudden you know just the deceit slips in because satan is the father of lies and he's always now i feel like i should read the screw tape letters well we're also really really prideful people and it takes a sense of humility to recognize that we could maybe at some point be deceived by something yeah and more than you know, likely will be deceived at some point at and some need point humility to be summoned back into into truth out of error we all we all need that. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so I I saw this meme. I'm not going to be able to find it for you to link it, but it was uh, this person saying like I j um, now I can't remember like I just wish that God would speak to me. And someone's like, well, maybe you should open your Bible instead of Instagram. Oh, I was laying with you in bed when you read that. It was yeah. Oh, it said it said, um, gee, God, why do you feel so far away from me? That's what it is. <laughs> it's like you're on Instagram all day. Yeah, I wonder if I saved it in my. In my <clears throat> it was in your stories. Um, no, the the deception thing. Um, I think it's even a little more sinister. It's not. It's it's more sinister than simply the obvious things like, you know, uh, teaching that Jesus isn't Christ, isn't you know, isn't God. For instance. It's more sinister, and I, I think it shows up in a variety of ways. For instance, believing something is more important or has more priority than something else. You know, uh, believing that or falling prey to uh, anything that, that elevates itself above Scripture or makes itself more important, or even in the case of, since we're on the CRT topic, even in the case of, of falling for things in, in critical race theory, that then you need you need to have to support your interpretation and understanding of scripture and, and, and biblical Christianity. You know, and I think falling prey to even some of that more sinister stuff is also um, is probably more um, happens more often than than like the obvious things. Mm -hmm. Well Jesus was not truly man. Okay. <laughs> That's been around since three hundred AD. Um, yeah, but at the same time, I mean that stuff keeps coming back up, which it is does. crazy. It does. Like I was telling a couple of people who'd never heard of American Gospel, which you still have to watch. Yes, one and two. But we'll get right on that. In right, well, I mean, American Gospel two. There, these guys are like, like God making Jesus die on the cross is divine child abuse, and they feel so edgy and so like avant-garde in accusing God the Father of divine child abuse and thus denying the atonement because what kind of loving God would do this? And it's like, you guys, 
you guys have such chronological snobbery and short-sightedness. You don't realize that the church has hashed this out every couple hundred years since right? Jesus died. Right? You know, like it's They act like it's all new. They it's and like, they just feel no. so smart and edgy. At least in the video, the way they come across to me. There's there's this particular well there's They're Bart, wearing preacher sneakers and black glasses well, and Bart Campolo. You haven't even seen it. You can't just, you can it's a pretty good guess though. They've got dread dreadlocks. No, that's that's the other guy. What's his heresy? I can't remember. Don't oh, the guy with the on. heresy the guy with the dreadlocks, his heresy in is his I name Tony? Tony, I, uh... I want to say White. Steve White? Todd White. Todd White. Todd White. Anyway, he actually believes that he has not sinned for 12 years. And I think he actually tells the American Gospel interviewers this. Like, right. you you don't believe me? I'm the one who knows my own heart. You know, I don't lust. I don't... It's like jaw-dropping to think but again i don't i don't don't but again i don't pride this this has also (laughs) been hashed through in the church from from the beginning from the beginning of the church and i think particularly didn't the methodists believe in perfectionism in in one of the great awakenings there i did a study we did well we did that study uh on i'll put a link in the show notes if i can remember we did a study on the heretics um part of a catechisms and creed series and it was amazing because you're like you're reading through this going okay when he says there's nothing new under the sun you know solomon wrote that way back in the day (laughs) it still holds true you know yeah we should try to find like a podcast about heresies that we could listen to on road trips we should start one. I feel like I'm somebody kidding, else no. needs to do. I, yeah. I, I don't have I'll time. be honest. We're sitting, I, I honestly, talk, we're sitting here talking about this, and I'm like, I feel kind of ignorant because I'm like, I don't know when the people who believed in perfectionism were. Was it the first grade? Was it the Methodist? It was it's a Wesley. Now, babe. It's now, babe. It's the guy named Todd White. It was, but but I think the Wesley brothers believed in perfectionism. They actually believed that you could. Be more increasingly sanctified to the point where you would no longer be sinning. What a crazy counsel of despair, right? If you think that you can achieve sinlessness here in this life and you're and you not, never actually get there. That would be so discouraging. And you every would day feel, wake up. Oh, I yelled at my wife. Like, oh. you know. Yeah, I'm. I'm oh, back. I looked at that woman. Too you know long. what's it like? like Factories have like how oh, many swore. how many days it's been since we've had an accident. Well, then you have to have. I mean, <laughs> every day you're set back yeah, to zero but, days since sinlessness. Right. But that brings up really good. My comment just made me think like you have to have a really precise definition of, of sin. sin. Yeah, and that's like that could be all over. You could spend your whole life trying to figure out what sin is and what sin isn't. The Bible says mm, it's a state of being. Whoa, it's what well, I do. It's what I do and who I am. Yeah. You know, you're born into it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a state of being. And plus, it's, I mean, somebody, you might say that's I mean, we, a little bit of stretch, but. Well, point being, I mean, we're born into a state of Christ's sinfulness. Christ's power gives us the power. What is it? Again, I'm feeling ignorant because there's a famous theologian who said a saying that Christ's blood doesn't give us the power to not. Like, no, I can't even remember the exact phrase. <laughs> I'm trying to... It's not even 11 at least, o'clock at night. At least you know your Bible really well. Sort of. Uh, no, but it's not that we... It's not that we can... We have the power to no longer sin. Right. It's that we have the power to even fight our sin to begin with. Right. If you guys can think of the phrase that I'm trying to think of, send it to me. Somebody, like my mom, will know exactly what I'm talking about right away. But is it, there's a nice turn of phrase that it's not that we um, we no longer sin, but we can fight, start fighting our sin, is what Christ's power does for us in the first place. And then, of course, the further along we get in our walk, the more we realize the depth of our sinfulness. But... Um, I used a great illustration with Tito the other day, but I'm or Titus or the kids, but I'm I can't remember what the illustration was. Uh, I've just been feeling the uh, weight of my sinfulness, looking at my parenting, because <laughs> Titus just is angry all the time, 
and I get angry back at him for being angry. Yeah, I, don't, I don't understand why he's angry all the time. Because I, I was an angry kid too. I know. I, I think it's it's a tremendous amount of pride and impatience. Like things should be easier. Things should go my way more. But you know, then he's he's all pouty and angry. So if you guys know snappy. how to break through that. As parents tell us, and cause... but then I I respond to him in exactly the same way that he's acting. Like it's almost like he's oh. looking in a mirror in terms of how he's acting and how I respond to him. And so I'm trying to break that with kindness and with recalling God's character and speaking God's character to him. And I see, then, and I struggle with getting lazy and not wanting to deal with it. I'm just like, because I don't want to take those opportunities We've got all these, to parent. It's like, oh. We have all of these little sinners who all sin in unique ways. Because then... like, That's wonderful. Yeah. You, you move from one sin to the other. Well, and it's not just one. It's like one <laughs> sin pattern and like personality flavor. You know, like, like if you go to an ice cream shop, they're all bad for you, but they all taste different <laughs> in the way they're bad for you, right? Yes. That's <laughs> so, great. You know, like every single one That's of our kids great. is like... Another sinful sin is like ice cream. Well, it's like a well. I mean, but each of our kids is like a different sinful flavor of ice cream. Like one of them is like, you know, cherry cheesecake, and the other is Rocky Road, and they look really different and they taste really different. But it's and you all have still to, sin. yeah, your taste yeah. buds process them differently. But as a parent, you have to figure out totally different strategies and mindsets to love them well. And then they react to our sinfulness. Like, Titus just gets mad back at me. And it's like this mutually reinforcing thing. And Lily leaves me notes with, Mom, I'm so sorry for being so bad. I love you. You know, and I'm like, well, that doesn't make me feel guilty and terrible. <laughs> I have a daughter who's, like, wallowing in guilt and feeling like my sin is her fault. And so, you know, like, no, I have to be the chief repenter in this relationship because I'm it's my job to point you to Christ and lead you in it's that just, way. It's humbling it you know it's, even as a parent it's humbling to recognize that you really feel like we did I don't feel like we did anything horrible in raising you know like in raising Titus. Well we're still raising him. He's only but, 10. Right, he's only 10 but there's still things that we can't we can't change. There's still stuff that he's going to struggle yeah. with, regardless of how we raise him. Speaking of which, I'm trying to remember. I had an interaction with somebody on Instagram that I'm going to try to pull up. Was it a good interaction or a bad one? No, it was a good one. It was with one of our listeners. I'm trying to. I'm trying to remember who it was and what the interaction was. Those are always good. Uh, I think it was Dawn, who said that she. <clears throat> Her favorite years of raising kids have been her kids' teen years. Mm. And her oldest is almost 24 and youngest is 11. And uh, so um, she was she was agreeing with me at the young kids being hard, but encouraging me to not be freaking out about having three girls who will all be teenagers at the same time. She says, the hormones don't all hit at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe just give them a wide berth Shoot. for a while on a really bad day, but um, but the you know the the teenage years are hard because there's going to be lots of hormones and mush brain, and so we have to be on our a game parenting. There's a lot of shepherding opportunities, um, but um, at the same time, we're we're not all that to say we're not done parenting Titus yet. And then as long as I'm on Instagram, I got a decent amount of feedback from, um, sorry, I just got lost in it. I got a decent amount of feedback about our conversation about singleness last week and um, that viewing it within a broader paradigm of suffering and a handful of, uh, like I had one gal who is, now I'm going to get her age wrong. Anyway, close to my parents' age, younger than my parents, but close, who said that she feels like as a divorced woman that that category of this is 
rejoicing in suffering, being faithful in suffering, but being able to say, yes, this is a category of suffering mm-hmm. that I experienced, just like being a single woman in your 20s who hasn't ever been married, being a single woman in your in your 60s who has been married and suffered a divorce and now doesn't expect to remarry. And so you have this, uh, the, the horizon looks a lot lonelier than it did when you were, I mean, like our 90-year-old neighbor, he didn't expect to live out his twilight years as a divorcee. Yeah. Um, another gal responded that the category of long-term suffering also fits for someone who's in a really hard marriage, but is determined to remain in that marriage. And Chris, I remember reading in Chris Bronze's book, Unpacking Forgiveness, back when, when we worked at Peacemakers, he talks about a gal who, I can't remember the specifics of the story, but she essentially remained married to a verbally abusive and possibly unfaithful spouse over the entire lifetime of raising four kids. And on his deathbed, if I recall correctly, he was just broken at how loving and faithful and kind and gentle she had been in the face of nothing kind and nothing faithful and nothing that deserved that from her husband. And I, the reason I remember, I mean, this was probably 15 years ago that I read this book. It just made such a big impression on me because I was like, only by the grace of God could anybody do that? And I'm not even sure with the grace of God if I could do that. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> it's hard being being kind and merciful and compassionate and gracious and you know faithfully serving and blessing in a good marriage. <laughs> yeah, it's you know because it requires dying to self and getting out of your you know getting off of your phone mm-hmm. and not being a lazy butt and you know overlooking things. All the time in a good marriage. Really? So much you overlook a lot with me. Don't oh, you yeah. overlook stuff with me? No, not usually. You leave tea bags out all the time. You don't throw them in the garbage. Oh, do I? Yeah. I, don't I usually leave them in my cup? No, the, not the tea bags. The the wrappers. The wrappers for them. You know, I bet that's and where used Kleenexes. I'll bet that's where uh, where the kids get their habit of leaving uh, band aid wrappers out. Oh, band-aid wrappers. I cleaned out the basket on our on our bathroom counter of band-aid wrappers the other day. And it was like, there was there were probably 30 or 40 band-aid wrappers. Because Faith is now in the, these are body stickers stage. But she knows she has to produce blood to justify getting one, if, she, if I see her getting one. Uh. And so she'll be like, it's bleeding! It's bleeding! And I'm like, that's a five-day-old owie. That's a scab. <laughs> Please don't pick the scab to produce blood, because that has happened, too. Uh, Anyway, uh, had a ton of conversation with Anna, who had just been at her sister's wedding, and so was kind of really shining in her face, like, you're almost 30, and you're still single, and rejoicing with somebody who rejoices. And so she liked that comment a lot, that it's easier to weep with those who mourn than to rejoice with somebody who's getting a blessing that you wish you were getting. And I will wrap up my ramblings by saying I was reminded that um, one thing that I don't think I said in the conversation last week is the Christian life has this really wild paradox. Oh, I read this great, this great article today. And now I can't remember where the article came from. But it, it described... Oh, it was a, a review from the Gospel Coalition. No. Yeah. Of of a book about a woman who had gone to a Muslim country to be a missionary. And kind of went with superficial, uh, patriarchal... Not patriarchal. You know, paternalistic. Like, American colonialistic ideas of what she was gonna how she was gonna save all these muslims and ended up after actually meeting muslims and realizing they were really kind hospitable people who loved their religion and their 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 religious practices weren't just rote 
draconian things, but that they actually found spiritual benefit in them. So she kind of came away as a universalist. Oh. (laughs) And so the book review was like, look, there's a lot to learn from the Muslim world, but you don't come away saying we can we need to revere the Quran as a holy book and quote it at our children's baptism in this Muslim country. Anyway, right. it was but he started the book by saying that it was an Anselm, somebody considers the Christian faith uh faith seeking understanding is the phrase that I think it was Anselm used. Faith seeking understanding. And that we, everybody in the world has a, has a, lives according to faith. We are all faith-based people. Like Van Til, in his apologetics method, worked really hard to show people. You have to start with some sort of faith-based understanding of the way the world works. And the Christian apologetic method then is to say, the way that my worldview and my faith corresponds best with the way the world actually works. So mm. we are people of faith who are not afraid of science. And, you know, this hits, I think it resonated with me, this paragraph, because of my Canavox stuff, that, like, we lean into good science. We're not afraid of what the science is going to say about, you know, is there a gay gene or are people born that way or what's the science going to say about transgenderism? Because we believe that God made this world and that the way he tells us to live in scripture best corresponds with thriving in the way God made this world. So faith seeking understanding. Anyway, so that, where was I? It's not even 11 o'clock at night. Anyway, I don't know what my segue with that was, but I was starting to say that the Christian world is full of, all of these mysteries, like the Trinity, we can't actually understand how the Trinity works. And all of our tr- attempts to explain it, like an egg, you know, the shell, yeah. the egg yolk, and the egg white, they're all, they all fall short and are probably going to lead us into heresy. So we just embrace mystery right. and, and live by faith in that regard. But the Christian life is so full of paradox and one of the beautiful paradoxes that single people, that people with same-sex attraction, that divorced people, that really, honestly, all of us, because we all live a life of exile, if you will. We are not citizens of this world. Our citizenship is in heaven. And First and Second Peter, he hammers on this a bunch in a spiritual sense, for people who are being persecuted intensely in the Roman world. But also, you look back at Jeremiah, and the paradox is, we don't just live for heaven, we we live here and bless. And in Jeremiah, the prophet says, yeah, you're in exile, but thrive here and bless the country that has pulled you into exile. And so this idea that we can be sorrowful but always rejoicing that we can like paul and philippians want to die and believe that it's better to die and to be with jesus but to say i've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation that i posted i think while we were in california i shared a link to a piece uh that a gal that i follow Uh, had said, she's like, I have stopped trying to be content as a single person because I deeply desire to be married. And my contentment was, my striving to be content was basically trying to live in denial of that longing that I have. Mm -hmm. And she's like, so my, my position right now is embracing, you know what? God made us for male-female companionship, by and large. There are people who have the gift of singleness, but most people are not being honest if they don't say, yeah, I long to be married. And and yet, we can be joyful and content in the longing. that Paul has a thorn in the flesh, and yet he can trust God and he can boast in his weakness while saying please take this thorn away from me, God. 
And Jesus can say, I deeply desire to not go through the suffering that I'm about to go through. Please don't make me do this. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours. And these two desires can sit comfortably side by side because of who God is and because Jesus walked before that with us. And so we, and whatever our suffering is, whether it's being single and desiring to be married, or it's having a job that we hate, or it's raising kids who are staring through the door of the and won't come in and harassing us and distracting us because their Kindle time ran out while we were recording, that we can struggle to raise them and to love them well and yet rejoice in the good gift that they are. And we can deeply desire that they grow in the Lord and know the Lord. And because we love them and we want life and eternal life for them, and yet we can trust God's goodness in taking care of their souls in ways that we don't know. Yeah. So there's just a lot of, anyway, all of that. We hold paradoxes in the Christian faith because we're comfortable living by faith and believing that God reconciles all of these things in his mind. What do you guys want? Oh, Faith is crying. Is she? Faith is crying. Well, we're done recording now, any minute now, but she doesn't get to get out of bed because it's her nap time. (laughs) Oh, you turd. You need to go wash the paint off of your face. You guys, thanks for joining us on this show. If you like what you've heard, uh, share us with your friends. Send us a note. You can email us at tb2f at pm.me. You can reach out to us via a postcard on our website, uh, com or tb2f.com. You can send us a message on Instagram at too busy to flush and you can also send me a text message if you want 406-318-7136 so you can reach out to us all those different ways we appreciate the feedback we love hearing from you guys we've heard from a lot of people this week i've heard from paul and norm and I've, i've gotten to talk audio production and electronic dance music and all the fun things it's been a fun week um so yeah Thanks for sending us messages. Thanks for letting us know. And let your friends know. If you dig us, that'd be awesome. So thanks for joining us. (laughs) (laughs) I think Elise just wants to be on the podcast somehow. She (laughs) She doesn't have anything to say. She does. She's going to sit there and just giggle maniacally. Um, So thanks for joining us, you guys. We will uh, see you hopefully next week. 